look, we're going to continue in the one-year Bible. It's a giant series. This is the longest series I've ever preached in, one whole year. But uh, in case you don't know, if you're new, and by the way, if you're regular people in here, how many of you have figured out that you hear the same thing from us every week a lot of times? And you're thinking about everything else besides what we're saying. But there are people who have never been here. And we appreciate you coming. And so what we're doing, we're taking the one-year Bible, which is the Bible split up into 365 readings. And uh, we read every week. And then the prior week on Sundays, we preach out of those scriptures. So if you want to know what we're preaching next Sunday, read your one-year Bible this week and then try to figure out where we're going to go from there, okay? But it's real, real exciting. As a matter of fact, today, you know, we're halfway through the Bible. So as you've been reading, you've read half of the Bible already. And that's more than a lot of people have ever read in their whole life. And so we're excited about that. So today we're just going to continue. We're going to be in the book of Psalms and the book of Acts kind of back and forth. But as Pastor Jordan did, matter of fact, Jordan did a great job preaching my first point of my message. I tell you, it's wonderful, you know, but I'm going to try to do a little bit better. I'm not sure that I can though. But uh, we're going to talk about praise and really we're going to talk about praise and worship, which they are different, but we're not going to get into that. So for today's message, let's just talk about praise and worship as one. And, you know, the, the question is, what is praise? That's the real question. What is it? Is it like Pastor Jordan said, 20 minutes of singing before we preach? It is the primer or the teeing up for the guy who's going to be speaking you know, is it just some cool groove or some cool song? I like that song. I don't like that song. You know, is it something like the top 40? You know, when we were, when I used to listen to the radio, and, you know, I just kind of just kept pressing the button. Back then it had eight buttons or six buttons. That's all it was, you know, click, click, click until I found my groove, found a song that I really liked, you know. Uh, but, but really it is part of that, but it's so much greater than that. And especially you who've been around for a long time, we came into the, the church in the charismatic movement, and that is when we took every scripture verse out of the whole Bible and put a tune to it and sang it. We sang anything, no matter what, uh, it, no matter how ridiculous it sounded, we sang it and we, we danced and we shouted. The first song I ever heard in my Christian walk ever was, was out of Exodus where, where Miriam uh, who I didn't know who that was, uh, singing, uh, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. And some of you old people are going, yeah, man. <laughs> the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. My Lord, my God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. And the faster we sang it, the more powerful it was. I mean, it was so powerful, you know. I had no idea what I was saying, but I was like, yeah, man, the horse and the rider, what does that mean, you know? As with some of you and some of the songs we sing today, you're like, what? But hang in there, and a little while later, after you read your Bible, you, you'll, you'll get it. But what praise is, praise is action, by the way. Don't ever forget that. Praise is, is raving. Praise is, uh, the, the word praise in some translations means, you know, to act clamorously foolish as King David did. He danced before the Lord. His wife, Michael, who was not so charismatic, you know, didn't like what he was doing and she despised him. And, but then God saw her and he didn't give her any more kids. So don't despise somebody who's on the side of you praising. You might not get that job you're praying for or something like that. So, 
what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to first of all go into the book of Acts chapter 16. And this is where Paul and Silas come into the picture. Paul and Silas were apostolic men. They're in a city called Philippi. And they are, uh, they are just going to the, the place of prayer every day. And every day that they go, there's a young woman that walks behind them and she's shouting like at the top of her lungs, these are servants of the most high God. They have come to show us the way to be saved. And every day he goes to prayer and every day this woman uh, shouts these things. Now it was truth. They were servants of the most high God and they had come to the city to tell people how to be saved. But there was a, a spirit in this woman. As a matter of fact, she was a fortune teller. She could tell the future. And her masters made money off of her because of her fortune telling. And so after several days, Apostle Paul, he, he discerns that this, this ain't cool. Matter of fact, you can tell when somebody really gets someplace, they, they, they just be quiet about me. Okay, it's all right. Let's move on. And, and finally, he turns around. He looks at the young woman. He says, basically, demon come out of her. He actually was doing what Jesus said for, for, for all of the church doing. That is three things, basically. He said, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And so they came to the city of Philippi to do just that thing. But th something happened when this young woman became free in herself and with the Lord. Her masters got really, really mad about it. And we pick up the story in the 22nd verse says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Not a good day. They were severely beaten. That means they were severely beaten. And they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and cl clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Now, you got to understand where they are. They are in a, in a prison, not like Harrison County. Tile floors, stainless steel surfaces. They're in the middle of a Roman jail in the dungeon part of it in total blackness, total darkness. They have been beat severely. They're in physical pain. They don't know what the future holds. And yet they are singing worship in the middle of the night. That's what they're doing. Now, now the, the question to me is, where did the ability come from for two men to be in this situation and still have something in them that caused them to be able to have church, basically, to sing worship hymns and pray to God out loud to where everybody could hear them? They had something that, it, that, that pressed through the physical pain, the emotional pain, the, the seemingly abandonment, I mean, where is Jesus now? But yet they're worshiping God. And my questions always bring other questions, and that is this. How is it that some people go through dreadful trials and yet come out praising Jesus through it all, and other people, the same trial derails them, and they leave God? And I believe Psalm 145 gives us some insight into that. And that's where we're going to go now. Psalm 145, more than likely, was King David's last psalm that he ever wrote. And he wrote some good psalms. I mean, Psalm 23, Psalm 91. Come on. Great, great inspirations for our soul. But he, in Psalm 145, I believe he gives us the gateway to the presence of God. 
And that's where we want to be. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. Every verse in the Bible we put a song to. We praise God through the whole Bible. It's the gateway to the presence of God. And so we begin, I'm going to give you about five points to help you that you can take home. You can jot them down, you can put them on your mind, or you can look in your app on your phone on the Northwood app and you can go ahead and fill those in. But the first is this, is that praise, praise changes our perspective. And don't make any mistakes, our perspective needs to be changed on a daily basis. Because when we're left alone, our perspective automatically goes back to that of an earthly person out to get everything he can for himself. So in the first verse, the psalmist says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let every generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will show the story, will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The thing about praise It changes our perspective and it makes God big. And by the way, you have got to see a big God because there are big things going on in the world today that seek to take our attention, to take our hearts, and we have to change our perspective and praise does that. Praise praise makes God bigger. Praise makes God bigger than any circumstance you can imagine. That song that we just finished singing, It Is Well With My Soul, I don't know about you, but, you know, that really stirs my heart because I, I still know that, that the wind and the waves know his name. And what does that mean, the wind and waves still know your name? It means that your name, your power, your authority, Lord God, is still bigger in my life than any storm or any trial that comes. This, this particular song was written by a man named Horatio, Horatio Spatford, a businessman out of Chicago. One day he decided that we needed a, an extended vacation in England, so he told his family, we're going to England. They booked their tickets on a boat to go to England. Something came up in his business. He had already seen his business burned in the Chicago fire. He had already lost one child to sickness, a son, and he sent his four daughters and his his wife on this boat, he stayed back. He said, I'll see, see you in a couple of days. I'll be a couple of days behind you. And as they crossed the Atlantic Ocean, at a certain point, another vessel, a steel hull vessel, collided with that, that ship that they were on. And in 12 minutes, that boat sunk to the bottom. The account of his wife says that what she did when the boat was struck, they got out on the deck, she knelt down with her four daughters and they prayed this prayer, said, Lord, if it be your will, we shall be safe. 12 minutes later, those four daughters drowned in the Atlantic Ocean. His wife made it to the mainland of England. She sent a text, a text, a telegram, the telegram back then, <laughs> not a text. and she said this she said I alone saved what shall I do 
You can imagine the desperation of her who just went through this heroin experience. But you can imagine the desperation of this man when he gets this, this telegram that his four daughters are dead. And so he books another ticket to rendezvous with his wife in England and midpoint, the captain of the ship calls him up to the deck and says, this is the coordinates where your daughters died. Later in life, he and his wife had more children, another son and some daughters. And one of the daughters writes the account and said, that's when my father penned the song, it is well with my soul. And I don't know the man, I don't know who he was, how he lived, I don't know anything, but I'll tell you what, just to put a pen to a paper and say it is well with my soul after you've lost four of your children in one time tells me that that man had something that magnified God greater than the wind and the waves. Amen. See, what he was saying was the wind and waves still know your name. Through it all, you're still Lord. They went on to live in Jerusalem for many years, had another son, and that son died of scarlet fever. It is well with my soul. It reminds me of Romans 12, 1 that says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Now listen to this. This is truly the way to worship him. So you want to know how to truly worship God? You truly worship God by giving your entire being as a living sacrifice to God. To where he owns you. To where your whole point of life is to magnify him and make him big. You know, it's only after a person's heart has been softened and their attitudes have been really changed and altered that they can truly say, it is well with my soul. Because it may not be well with your job, but it can be well with your soul. It may not be well with your finances, but it can be well with your soul. Your relationships, your, your, your family, your marriage, all of these things, they may be upside down, but it can be well with your soul. It must be able to be well with our soul. It has to be able to be well with our soul because life changes. I was worshiping there this morning, and I wasn't worshiping for the great things he's done today because I've got it made today. I've got a wonderful wife, a great family. I've got a home, a good car. I've got, I got a decent salary. I've got food in my pantry. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy in my body today. But I'm worshiping him for the future. I'm saying it's well with my soul, Lord, when I'm 85, if I make it, 95, if I make it that far. It is well with my soul in the latter days of my life when maybe things are not as wonderful as they are today. It has to be well with my soul. My perspective must change. Your perspective must change. And it must change today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not when you get older. Today, Paul and Silas simply, in my understanding, made God bigger than their circumstances. And I may never be in the middle of a jail in stocks, but you know what? My hurt hurts me more than their chains hurt me. My toothache is more painful to me than your cancer is to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? The pain we suffer is always greater than the pain others are suffering. It is just that way. It has to be well with my soul. The next thing that we want to know about praise, the praise reveals the heart of God. So monumental, so paramount that we understand the heart of God in the Eighth verse, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. 
Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. Those are the people who praise him. They will speak of your glory, of your kingdom. They will give example of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen. And he lifts those bent beneath their loads. Now, just let's get this in our heart right here. In our hearts right now, this next verse. The whole mission of God is to show people mercy and his extended, his extended hand to help. I don't know, you didn't put that up. But, but, but the whole mission of God, the entire mission of God, Everything wrapped up into all that he's done has been to show mercy to people and to show that his hand is extended to you. Everything. God is excited about loving you. And when we worship him, when we praise him, it reveals the heart of God because, understand this, over many years now, I've had many conversations with people and some people come to me and they they talk to me about myself and they, they, sometimes I'm accused of certain things and things happen and they want to know about it and, 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 and they come to me sort of with the idea that this is the truth or this is the way it is. And, and what I have to tell people is I said, you know what, you don't know me because if you did know me, you would know that that's not my heart. And it's the same way with God. God gets accused People get mad at God. Can I just tell you something? Watch yourself when you get angry with God. And the reason some people blame God or get angry at God or get bitter at God is because they don't know his heart. Because once you know the heart of God, you will have no problem submitting under the hand of God. And you don't get anything today at all. Get this. Unless you know, when you know the heart of God, you will have no problem submitting to the hand of God. But boy, if you don't know his heart, submitting to his hand is mighty tough. Oh my, it gets very, very difficult. And when you get past the pain and, and you enter into the praise, his heart is revealed. And that's when you really receive your encouragement. Do you know that uh, people turn in prayer requests to us all the time. Every Monday morning, I get all the prayer requests from all three campuses and I read every one of them. And I found that really and truly, they all fall into three categories. Relationships, money, and health. Those are the three areas that we all need miracles in, that we all find stress in, that we all have to overcome, forgive, forget, release, embrace. These are the things that everyone struggles with. And these are the things that we make God bigger than, and these are the things that we know God's heart in so that we might see how his hand operates in those situations. The third thing is that it reveals the power of God. Praise reveals this great power of God. Look in verse 15. The eyes of all look to you in hope, and you give them their food as they need it. 
When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and rescues them. This thing of revealing the the provision of God and the power of God, if you'll cry to him, he'll answer you. And he will bring relief to you. He will rescue you. In 1993, I'm getting ready to tell a story that most of you have heard maybe once, twice, or three times. Some of you have never heard it. And by the way, some of you have the same story that you could tell about the power of God and the provisions of God. But in 1993, which is a long time ago, some of you weren't even born then, we were building a school. And we worked very hard, several of us men, some of you in this room right now, Deep into the night, we worked hard, and we, we, it was just hard to get things going. We built a lot of things, and in that time, I injured my back, and, and I just kept working through because that's what a pastor does. He works even though he's about to die. He presses through because he has to let everybody know that he works hard so that people like him and that, and that he is accepted and that people go, yeah, pastor, you, you're killing yourself, and we're thankful for it. I'm sure I could find a scripture verse to sing about on that. You know, I'm not sure, but we did it. And so what happened to me because of that just kept on, kept on one night, middle of the night on my living room floor. I just, I just, something happened to be the pain in my back was pain like I've never experienced in my whole life until the ambulance had to come and they picked me up two strong young men. Thank God. Every time an ambulance is going down the, the road, just thank them because, you know, you might not think about it, but they came and picked me up off the floor while I was screaming like a little baby, brought me into the hospital and, and finally got me full of some good pain medicine. Thank God for pain medicine. Hallelujah. <laughs> because when you're hurting that bad, you can't even pray. I mean, I was just screaming. I couldn't pray. Just holler. And, uh, and it was just a, a real experience in the hospital and uh, one of the men in our church was running the emergency room at that time. He came into my room. He showed me the, the x-rays of what had happened. And, uh, you know, all I saw was he said, look, two of your discs have, like, like exploded, like, into your spinal column. And, and he said, Brother Van, he says, bad. This looks bad. And, you know, and I'm thinking it must be bad the way I'm hurting. So I, I lay there. And I can't go into the whole story, but. But, you know, weird things happened in the hospital with me. They, they, they did procedures on me that uh, I didn't know I told them that they could. Uh, they, they scheduled me for back surgery for the next day when I didn't know that I was going to have back surgery. Evidently, I signed papers while I was underneath that good medication. <laughs> sure, you want my house? Yes, take the car. Why don't you, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, the way I found out, I'm laying in bed and the phone rings and, and this woman says, uh, uh, Mr. Dakota, we have you scheduled for surgery in the morning at 730. I said, what surgery? And click, she hung up. And so I'm in pain. I'm in the hospital. I don't know what to do. And so it's in the nighttime. And so all I started doing was just singing out loud. I mean loud, the door was open and I am just singing. I don't remember what I was singing, but I was singing a church song, okay? This is when a church song really matters, Jack. And I am singing out loud and I'm just crying out to God. And, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my heart and said, 
call your wife and tell her to come get you out of this place. That's what I heard inside. So I rolled over, got the phone. I called Jan. I said, come get me. She said, okay. I told the nurse, I called the nurse and I said, I'm leaving my wife's coming to get me. And you know what? I, <laughs> that's not good to say that in the, in the prison house. I mean, the hospital. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> what? You thought I told that nurse a bad mama joke or something about her mama. I don't know, but she got, oh, and other nurse come in and got, I mean, the whole floor got shaken and everybody, you know, the doctor, we're calling the doctor. You can't, you can't. I said, I'm, my wife's on the way. I'm coming. And so Jan came over here to the church and got some mattresses out of the nursery, little, little mattresses, several of them, and put them in the back of our Ford Taurus wagon, put the seats down, laid that booger down. She made her own, you know, Cajun ambulance, basically. <laughs> you know, I mean, she, she just did, you know. She drove up and she come got me and, and she rolled me off in the back of that Taurus wagon and got me home and helped me get in the house and put me in a little bed somewhere in a bedroom. I think I took your bed, Jordan. I think yeah, I did. I took your room over and I laid in that bed and we prayed. And I'll tell you what, <clears throat> since 1993, not one back surgery. I am in good health. Hallelujah. That's been a long time ago. And I said all this to say this, is that when you cry out to God, he hears and when you really cry out to God in desperation, he answers. And when he answers, something good happens. Amen? Amen. Amen. His power and his provision. I was talking to somebody the other day and said, you know, since we gave our lives to God and turned our life around, everything seems to have worked out. Folks, can I just tell you something? When you give your life to God, everything works out even if it doesn't work out. Did you hear what I said? It all works out. Even if it doesn't work out, it will still work out. Because we got to live, folks. I tell you, Monday's coming tomorrow. Hello? No matter what's going on on Sunday, Monday's a coming. Amen? And so we understand that in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said it this way. So don't worry about all these things. What you will eat, what you will drink, you know, what you're going to wear. These things will dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. You get everything you need. And if you're in a trial, ask God why I'm in a trial. What's going on, Lord? What are you trying to work in my life? He'll tell you. I like what David said. He understood in Psalm 37. Once I was young, now I'm old. All you young people, once you were young, don't worry, you'll be old. <laughs> don't get in a hurry. This is what you're headed to. <laughs> Got that? Can I get an amen from any of the young people? <laughs> Say, I'm in a hurry. Well, hurry on up. This is what you get. <laughs> Another thing about praise, it reveals the protection of God. The protection of God. Verse 20 says, the Lord protects all those who love him. It means that he hedges us about. Really, the word protect there means he will preserve you. He preserves all the godly. All those who love him, he preserves you. 
And then the amazing thing is in the, in the middle of this whole Psalm 145, which is all seemingly very, very positive about godliness, righteousness, God's big, God loves his hands extended, everything's great. He just adds this little warning, but he destroys the wicked. He just adds that, just right in the middle of the whole song. I was reading it, but bring it in my way. All right, all right. I'm going to destroy the wicked. Whoa. I think it's the Lord just saying, you know what? I'm good. I'm gracious. I'm comparing. I'm slow to, to anger. I'm full of mercy, rich in love and kindness. But you know what? I'm going to keep my word. And wicked people are not going to come into my presence for all of eternity. However, the godly, those who fear and love me, I will preserve them. See, God's not only into blessing you and giving you what we need, having this and having that. God wants to preserve us for eternity. He wants to make you like grandma's tomatoes up on the top shelf in the pantry that's been there for 12 years, preserved. And when you open them up, I guess, when you open them up, if they were done right, they're fresh. I never could understand preservatives. Never could. I'd go in the... These, these people's homes, see, man, some, some of you, some, some of you got a bunch of beans on your shelves, man. It's like, go, how long did it take to put all those little beans in all those little jars? They look so sweet. All like little soldiers right there just on the shelf. And understand that you crack it open and they're fresh. And that's how it is in eternity when it's all said and done, whether he comes or he calls, whether we're alive or dead, he's going to crack open that grave. And we're going to be preserved for all of eternity. It's not just about today and the things we need. It's about being preserved for all of eternity. All of eternity. My goodness, that's great, all of eternity. He's going to protect us. He's going to preserve us. And you know what else praise does? Praise produces a great testimony. It does something about it. You know, a story about all that God has done. One thing I love about the Bible, and you, you read it last week, you'll probably read it this week. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, and it seems like every time we open the Bible, somebody is recounting what God did. That tell your children, tell every generation, pass it on. God is good. God is great. He delivered us out of Egypt. That's why it's so good to tell stories, whether you told it a hundred times. Your kids need to hear. One time we didn't have enough food, but we gave to God, and then God brought people to our home and gave us groceries. You need to tell your story to your kids of the goodness and the greatness of your God, especially you daddies. And if you don't have a story, start getting a story. So all you got to do is say, Lord, would you please put me in a trial so that I can get the victory over the trial so I'll have something to tell my kids. <laughs> the testimony. Verse 21 of Psalm says, I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Was the vision of David as he worshiped God. He said, let everybody know how good this is. Let everybody know. Habakkuk, you'll read him in the coming weeks, his book. He said this, he said, man, you know what? Even though the fig tree shall not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in, we sang that song, Habakkuk chapter three. We sang every verse in the whole Bible. What he was saying was no matter what happened, there's no herd in the stall, there's no corn in the thing, there's no, there's no money in the bank, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. I'm telling you right now, if you only praise him on the mountaintop, you only praise him about 10% of the time, folks. Because I'm either, I'm either climbing up the hill out the valley or sliding back down into another valley. 
You know what I mean? I'm just on the top of the king of the mountain for the king of the hill just for a little while. Because life, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I hope it's good. So let's get back to Paul and Silas. They're beat up in a jail and they're singing songs. Verse 26 of Acts 16, suddenly, here's where God comes in. There was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Not just Paul and Silas, everybody around them. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, which I would have also. So he drew his sword to kill himself because back then if you let the prisoners out, you had to die. But Paul shouted to him, stop. It's like right here, Paul took authority over everything. God gives authority over everything. He spoke and he said, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and, and asked, sirs, what must we do to be saved? Not how did those doors open up? What about this earthquake? Is everybody, let me, every, no, no, no. What, what? There's a power in this room. What must we do to be saved? Because that's what the presence of God always does. It convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It pierces the heart. That's what happened to the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Paul told him, he said, you got to believe on the Lord. You and your whole household will be saved. You got to believe. Now, you got to believe. Folks, I'm talking about believing. I'm not talking, I'm talking about you got to believe. Not just with this. You got to believe with all of this. Everything. Who God is. He brought them out. He asked them what he wants to do to be saved. They replied, believe on the Lord. You're going to get everybody going to get saved. And so they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And then you know what happened? That night, the jailer said, come over to my house. He washed their wounds, bandaged them all up. Then everybody got baptized. I tell you, that's exciting. Everybody got baptized. They didn't wait six months to, to figure out, oh, should I be baptized? They said, we believe, let's be baptized. That's why you who believe, you ought to get baptized next Wednesday night. No reservation, no nothing. Just dive in. Say, I'm serving Jesus. I want everybody to know I'm saved. I'm different. I'm changed. Here I am. I'm getting water baptized. It's my public profession of faith. It's a great testimony. Your story is the most powerful preaching that will ever be done. Understand this, that what was said a couple of weeks ago on the video a little, a little sister in Long Beach. Let me tell you something. When she said, trust him, you got to trust him. I'm, I'm sitting on the front row going, come on, sister, preach it. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Her story was more powerful than our preaching. Your story is powerful. It brings the presence of God. Your praise, your life brings a different perspective. It exalts God. Here's the three points I want to give you, then we're done. It exalts God. It makes God big. You know what else it does? It edifies the believer because I've never come out of a time of worship of God, a time of a living sacrifice of my life that I didn't get benefit. It's like God saying, I love all the worship. You're great. You're wonderful. I accept it all. But hey, I'm just such a great God. Let me just turn it around. Let me just bless you. Let me just bless you. You're worshiping me. I know I'm God. I'm king. I'm, yeah, but let me just bless you. He's so confident, God. He doesn't even have to keep on. He just, I just want to bless you. 
And the third thing about it is that it expresses God's power to others. It produces a great testimony. And your testimony will save lives. Your testimony, God will use to bring people into heaven. I know a lot of you don't believe that. I know a lot of you suffer from insecurity and inadequacy and you think you don't know and you live under guilt and shame. And the reason we're up here is to bring you out of that and bring you into a living, healthy relationship with a God who is slow to anger, full of mercy and kindness, who loves you right where you are, not waiting for you to get to a certain level. And then he says, you've made the club, come on in. But he goes down into humanity and he meets us right where we are. He met Jan and I right where we were. We didn't have to come to him and find some high place. He came down where we were and came and got us and changed us. And he's used us in a way that we never thought possible. And God will use you in a way that you never thought was possible. Let's bow our heads together if you don't mind. Come on, church, just pray. Come on, just pray. Just begin to exalt the Lord. Some of you who are believers, you're finding yourself in just this deep, deep ditch. It's like a valley. The thing about a valley, if you'll keep walking, you'll walk out of it by the, by the power of God. But Father, I want to pray for the church, the believers, those that love you, those that call on you day and night, those that are crying out for help, that God, you would show yourself strong and big in their life. God, that you would do for us what you did for Paul and Silas, that you gave them such an, an inward um, fortification, as it were, in their hearts, that they could praise you even in their troubles. And God, we're going to praise you even in our troubles. We're going to praise you in the financial situations. We're going to praise you in those relational things. We're going to praise you in the health problems, Lord, even if we can't speak it with our mouth, even if the pain is so strong, God, we can't do anything but scream. We're screaming out to you, Lord. We want to thank you right now, Father, that you're with us, that you give us power, that we understand your heart, God, and that you love us and you care about us and your whole mission is to see people saved. Now, for those of you in this room who you've never yet become a believer in Christ, I mean, you know about everybody in America knows about Jesus. But you know in your heart, deep inside of you, that there's not a connection, that you really don't know God. You know about him, but you don't know him. I want to pray with you, and this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make you come up front or anything like that. But while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a second. And by raising your hand, you're going to say, Jesus, I want to join up with you. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need a new life, a new chance. I want to serve you. I want to become a living sacrifice. And when you pray that prayer, Jesus will answer you. The Bible we just read, it says he keeps all of his promises. And he said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right now, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up real quick. Just put your hand up and say, Pastor, I want Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you here. Thank you. Thank you right there. Yes, sir. over on the side here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just say, I want Jesus. Come on, don't be afraid. Another hand over here. Thank you. That's right. I want Jesus. I'm tired of this life I have. There's got to be something better. Come on, one more time. If you haven't raised your hand, just shoot up and say, Pastor, me. Thank you so much. 
Now, as we get ready to pray, I want to tell you who just raised your hand, it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, what situation, put that all on the side right now because Jesus is getting ready to come on your scene. And when he comes on your scene, he'll change your heart. First of all, that's his main goal, not your situation, your heart. So as I pray, I want you to join in with me and I want you to call out on the name of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you died for us. You sent Jesus. He loves us. He shed his blood for me. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have paid the debt for my sin, that you have forgiven me now of my sin as I confess to you, Lord God, that I am a sinner, that I have sinned against you, and I've done wrong, God, and I'm sorry for that. And I ask you to come live inside of me and change me, make me a new person, give me a new life, give me strength to overcome the battles that are facing me. Give me wisdom to make proper choices, Lord. I trust you right now, first and foremost, as the Savior of my life. And right now, in the best way I know how, I make you my Lord. I give you praise for it, Father. I thank you for meeting me here today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for those that just prayed. Come on, Pastor Jordan. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.